go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. Now you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Yes, Leslie, throughout these broadcasts, we look at sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and we'll be doing some of that today, Leslie. Yeah, we love the saints. Right. And the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. Well, we want to welcome those listeners who are joining us for the first time, and we've been discussing a topic that's presently in the headlines. The Surgeon General of the United States just released an extensive report called Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. This report confirms earlier polls by the Gallup Organization and a poll conducted by Harvard University. Yeah, Leslie, this research tells us several things. First of all, that loneliness is steadily rising in the United States, which has created a, this loneliness epidemic. 2018 loneliness statistic, that's a lot, show that 30% of older adults reported loneliness. Survey data from 2019 showed that 58% of Americans often felt like no one in their life knew them well. And then in 2020, young women in the U.S. were most likely to report losing touch with friends. Most Americans are seeking more friendships and connectedness than ever. Yes, it's really a heart, heartfelt cry for friendship and connectedness. Yes. Now, we also learned um, from the research and that we've been discussing that baby boomers to millennials to Gen Z, young people, young adults and older adults all of them report loneliness. So it's really not isolated to one group. And recent survey of 2,000 people across the U.S. from 18 to 89 years old reported that they could not find any re age-related predictors of loneliness. They found that living alone, having poor health, infrequent social interactions, and being unmarried predict loneliness in all age groups. Mm -hmm. And we also learned in our past two broadcasts that loneliness the effects of it are just devastating. Research has found that social isolation increases the risk for various diseases, such as heart disease, stroke, 
a weakened immune system, obesity, inflammation, long-term disability, depression, anxiety, and even premature death. And it also reports that many older adults face a 50% increase of dementia due to social isolation. So that really shows the importance of our older adults being connected and having friends. And we certainly don't think about those things very often, do we? So last week, we discussed a response to what Mother Teresa referred to as the chief poverty here in America, that is, loneliness. We've seen that we as Catholics are not immune to this, but that the Lord's Church can provide the antidote through the structures that build and enhance our brotherhood and sisterhood. We showed how small groups, sometimes called small faith communities, create a structure where Catholic brotherhood and sisterhood can be experienced. As we mentioned before, if you're interested in learning more about how to start a small group in your parish, feel free to visit our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org where you can request a copy of this guidebook. Now, today we want to explore another focal point, Leslie, an antidote to this poverty of loneliness, forming biblical relationships. Right. We have a very. And friendships. Right. Um, We just really want to restore and rebuild this vision within our churches today of how to form biblical friendships. And, Peter, there's some very important scriptures that lay the groundwork for this. They show us the way. Let's read a few of those key verses. I think they're beautiful verses. Amen. Proverbs 18.24 says, Some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin. Proverbs 17.17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born to share adversity. Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Proverbs 17.9, One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. So we can see in the scripture that the Hebrew mindset understood the value of friendship, Mm -hmm. that sometimes friends can be closer than a family member. They stick with you in good times and bads. They choose forgiveness and not resentment. And most important, how good and pleasant it is to journey with friends who share the same goals in life, and that is fellowship with Jesus Christ. Right. So, Peter, could you help us understand the different kinds of friendships and the role they play in our lives? Yes, Leslie. So, as we emphasized last week, since the very beginning of the church, the early Christians considered fellowship. And we talked about that last week, koinonia, to be one of those four foundational practices in the Christian life. Remember, they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And that word koinonia was such a powerful and pregnant word in the early church. So we need this same habit in our own lives today. And we've and we discovered that fellowship is a part of a small group dynamic. Yes. But how do we experience this kind of fellowship or friendship? Well, the first step is to know what kind of friends we're looking for, right? And what kind of friends we need to be. Uh, Many people in our lives claim to have some type of friendship with us, but do we have friends who are committed to us and do what's really best for us, Leslie? Do we have friends who will push us in the right direction, that is, towards the Lord Jesus himself? Those are really important questions. Yes. So the ancient Greek philosopher, we're going to go to Aristotle during this section, Leslie, and taught 
that there were three kinds of friendships. Father Mike really emphasized this several times in the Bible in a year when I went through that last year, that there's three types of friendships. The first type of friendship that Aristotle taught was a friendship of utility. Now, what does a friendship of utility mean? That's like business relationships, group projects in class, and other transactional exchanges often fall under this category. Right. And you get to know the people working in your workplace, and they might really sincerely take an interest in you in your life and engage in conversations with you. But it's common that this relationship is just built on the benefit that you receive in the, in the workplace from this friendship. Right. The second uh, friendship that Aristotle pointed out was called a friendship of pleasure. This type of friendship is based primarily on the fun times people have and share together. For example, two people might happen to live near each other, play on the same team, or visit a same restaurant, or even belong to the same parish. Right. These kinds of friendships are centered on having pleasurable or enjoyable experiences together that are not necessarily bad, um, such as the same music, attending a concert together, a sports team um, that you favor, like the Colts and sharing season tickets. These are all pleasurable experiences that your friendship revolves around. Yes, Leslie. And after our break, we're going to go ahead and talk about the third friendship that Aristotle teaches us about. Okay, we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we will be discussing this topic further, so please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we're continuing to discuss a cultural phenomena that is taking place in our society, a poverty of loneliness. We've pointed out that this poverty crosses all socioeconomic demographics. We know that this poverty also touches us as Catholics here in America. Peter, we're also discussing small groups and how they can nurture biblical friendships and fellowship that will provide God's answer to loneliness in our society. And in our last segment, we covered the two first two types of friendship, friendship of utility and friendship of pleasure. Leslie, I think it's really important for us to say that those two types of friendships are not bad in themselves. Aristotle notes how that they are most fragile and least likely, though, to last the test of time because these friends are not committed to the other person seeking the best for them. So Aristotle said that. Now, the third level of friendship that Aristotle articulated, he called virtuous friendships. And Leslie, part of our desire here is to say that Jesus wants to restore and rebuild our idea and experience of biblical friendships in our local parishes and in our local communities. 
Now, according to Aristotle, this third kind of friendship is friendship in the fullest sense. It is based on something much deeper. The friend is committed to you and your good, not just to some benefit or enjoyment that they receive from being with you. The virtuous friend loves you in the true sense of the word. They seek what is best for you, which is to live a virtuous life in the imitation of Jesus Christ, and eventually that we would live together in heaven forever. Now, I believe that this is the kind of relationships that uh, St. John was calling us to in 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is one of my favorite verses, Leslie, I think, at least in this season of my life. You have a lot of favorite verses. <laughs> yeah, he, but uh, St. John said this, we declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship. There's that word koinonia, fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So John is saying he was calling all his readers into fellowship with Jesus Christ, and that would then give them fellowship with one another. He's certainly talking about virtual friendship there, virtuous friendships. For virtuous friendships to develop, though, both people must be striving for this kind of fellowship that St. John is calling us to. We don't certainly need to be perfect, to, to say the least, but we do need to be pursuing a virtuous life together. I think in Christian friendships, when both people are striving to deepen their relationship with Jesus Christ, they help each other in what matters most in life. A true friend certainly wants to live out their faith to the fullest. I think this is the kind of brotherhood and sisterhood that St. John has in mind when he wrote those scriptures I just quoted. The virtue of having a deep intimate relationship and fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we see in the saints, Peter. There are several saints that were friends with each other, and we wanted to list and kind of call out a few of those pairs that I think will inspire us to see how the Lord uses virtuous friendships to produce the kind of fellowship and friendship that St. John talked about. And I think it also helped these individuals become saints, don't you? Yes, for sure. Okay, the first pair is St. Cosmas and St. Damien. And they were actually twin brothers who had a friendship. Mm -hmm. And they lived in Syria around the year 300. They were both physicians. And they were such close friends that they worked together to convert people to Christianity by not charging for medical services. Yeah, that's quite a thing that they did, isn't it? Secondly, there's St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nazianzen. They were both doctors in the church. Listen to what St. Gregory says about his relationship with St. Basil, Leslie. Such was the prelude to our friendship, the kindling of that flame that was to blind us and bind us together. In this way, we began to feel affection for each other. When, in the course of time, we acknowledged our friendship and recognized that our ambition was a life of true wisdom, listen to this, we became everything to each other. We shared the same lodging, the same table, the same desires, the same goal. Our love for each other grew daily warmer and deeper. That's St. Gregory talking about his friend St. Basil, both doctors of the church. Well, this next pair of saints many of you will be familiar with. It's St. John Paul II and St. Teresa of 
Calcutta. It is well known that they had a very special friendship. And it's interesting that what united and forged their lifelong friendship was their compassion for the world, suffering, and a profound respect for human dignity. Yes, Leslie. If you go to the internet and you just type in the pic, say, picture of St. John Paul II and St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you'll see this picture of the Pope leaning over and kissing Mother on her head. It's a beautiful scene. Okay, so who's next, Peter? So the next uh, group of or two friends would be St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Francis Xavier. I love these two saints, Leslie, because they love to evangelize. Of course, St. Ignatius is the primary founder of the Jesuits, and St. Francis Xavier was a radical missionary. Two of those founding members actually knew each other as roommates in college. I hope our young people are listening to that, that you can find a fellow saint and friend in college. Before they became priests and missionaries, they were close as friends, and they became responsible for tens of thousands of conversions. Well, our last pair of saints is very famous as well as friends, St. Francis and St. Clair. So Clair, as everyone knows, was a devoted follower of Francis and was entrusted by him with founding of a religious order for women. Well, there's a very famous story of their friendship um, that I have taken from a book called Messages from Assisi, The Life and Teachings of St. Francis of Assisi for Today by Father Kevin Haynes. Anyways, in this book, it talks about how they were having dinner together. I love this story, Leslie. And they uh, gathered, all the brothers and sisters gathered around St. Francis and St. Clair, and they all sat down on the ground to eat their meal. And as the first course was served, St. Francis began speaking about God. So that's where fellowship enters in, right, Peter? Right. Mm -hmm. And he began speaking about the spiritual life in such a holy and marvelous way that both he and St. Clair and their companions and all who were sitting near them were mesmerized by his words. So Mm -hmm. they got caught up in it. Right. Their hearts, minds, and souls were lifted up to God. There's fellowship again. And together they praised God for all the good that he had done. Well, while this holy group was praying through the course of their evening meal, the townsfolk of Assisi looked down in the valley toward St. Mary of the Angels and saw a strange light all around the place. So it began to glow. Yes. Okay. They assumed that the holy church and community of buildings of the early Franciscans were on fire. They ran down the mountain to help put out the fire, and when they arrived, they found that there wasn't a fire. It was just that St. Francis and St. Clair and all their companions were wrapped in prayer, and a glow had filled the entire forest. Leslie, I really love that story. So we're going to take another break now, and when we return, we will share a powerful friendship in the Old Testament that truly gives us vision on what a virtuous relationship looks like and the principles that are at work in these kinds of friendships. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening 
for the radio. And I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating. And um, at the same time, I was learning about the faith, particularly the apologetics. Catholic Radio, building faith, building vocations. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and today we're discussing the third broadcast in response to what Mother Teresa referred to as the chief poverty here in America, and that is loneliness. And we've seen that even our secular culture is beginning to recognize the negative effects of loneliness and what that has on us as a nation. Finally, we are saying that we as Catholics are not immune to this, but that the Lord's Church can provide the antidote to this through structures and friendships that build and enhance our brotherhood and sisterhood. In our last segment, we shared some examples of saints who had virtuous friendships. Peter, I know you've always loved the Old Testament readings about the friendship between David and Jonathan. What are some insights from their relationship that we can apply to our own lives? Yes, Les, I think today I'd like to share some insights. Uh, that, And I was inspired by an article that I read called Beautiful Lessons in Biblical Friendship from David and Jonathan that you can find at BibleStudyTools.com. And it really stirred up in me just the fact that this relationship has always been special to me and has always been like a model of how deep biblical friendship can become. The story of David's miraculous victory against Goliath, we're all familiar with, right? It's right, in First right. Samuel 17. And before that happened, though, Jonathan also, with his armor bearer alone, had killed 20 Philistines before this in 1 Samuel 14. And then God caused a panic that resulted in the Philistine army after Jonathan did that. And it said they all melted away in all directions. And Saul followed up with the army and, and conquered that uh, particular battle. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. Now, David was still holding Goliath's head in his hand when he appeared before Saul. And after David had finished talking with Saul, the scripture says, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And that, that really began to uh, the relationship that went so deep in this friendship. I call it a covenant of friendship, Leslie. They became friends and sealed their friendship with an oath or a covenant. It says that Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. That's amazing. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So at that point, they really bound themselves to one another in this friendship. Jonathan said to David, as a matter of fact, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. That's quite a commitment, isn't it? Yes, and I've always loved the story of Jonathan and David's friendship, too. But it's more than just a nice story. There are some important lessons about friendship that we can learn from their friendship. So, Peter, what are some of those key lessons? Yeah, a couple things, Leslie. First of all, in Jonathan and David, we see that, number one, friendship is a gift from God. I really believe that. Yeah, it's a gift from God that he leads us to. There is a powerful quote from C.S. Lewis that really brings this out. 
Here's what he said in his book, The Four Loves, which, by the way, is a tremendous book in and of itself. He said, in friendship, we think we've chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another. I think of that between you and me, Leslie, because we met at university. The accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. Think about that. No chances. A secret master of ceremonies, that's Jesus, has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I chose you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you've not chosen one another, but I've chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward, C.S. Lewis said, for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. I I wanted to read that because that's so mentions this and expands this friendship as a gift from God. Secondly, you, we see in Jonathan and David, a, a virtuous friendship shares your trials. It's interesting to note, Leslie, that in the scripture, both Jonathan and David had Saul shoot javelins at them and try to kill them. And they had to share in that trial that Saul in his later years as he became oppressed by the devil and demons as the scripture says that he took his wrath out on both of them and they had to share in those trials together so the second thing is a virtuous friend shares in our trials with one another remember the scripture says let's bear one another's burden thirdly a virtuous friend also loves as he loves himself and we see that in that covenant that i mentioned between jonathan and david they made that covenant together right and it's a it's a a sacrificial love it's a love that jesus demonstrated for us when he gave up his life on the cross yeah and that's that agape love and we often express that leslie your highest at my expense i think that's the dynamic we're talking about here as loving our friend as we love ourselves and finally we see in jonathan and david that a virtuous friend helps you find strength in time of battle Both of them, remember as we started out, were in battles with the Philistines, but the fact that they were able to battle together really bound them together. And of course, Leslie, we know that we're in battles. In fact, we're even called the church militant because we have battles in life, and through strong friendship, we can really go into those battles not alone but with our brothers and sisters oftentimes through joining ourselves in prayer and in fellowship. Well, David and Jonathan certainly modeled what Aristotle articulated as a virtuous friendship, and this is certainly setting a high bar for us. And we can see today that to have a virtuous friend, you have to be a virtuous friend. So ask yourself, am I cultivating these kinds of friendships at church, um, in my network of relationships, or even in a small group? If not, we need to begin to pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us into these kind of virtuous friendships. So, Peter, will you please pray for us Yes, now? Leslie, we need the Lord in this as well. Lord, we invoke the Holy Spirit. 
And we ask, as C.S. Lewis pointed out, you would put us in the right place and at the right time, and that we would develop these biblical friendships that have been modeled for us, both through Jonathan and David, and then through Jesus and his disciples. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you listeners for joining us today and make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now and keep keep the the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 